Welcome to this edition of the Bears Den podcast. I'm Matt Bear. March Madness. I just love I just love saying it. We get obsessed with the brackets. People love watching it and some really great performances and memorable moments have come from it. Think about those classic highlights, the Christian Leitner shot versus Kentucky, Bryce Drew, NC State and Jimmy V, to, just to name a few. Um, I'm going to spend the next, next couple of episodes connecting with people who left their mark on March Madness. Today's guest is Ali Farokmanesh, who had one of those memorable moments in the second round of the 2010 NCAA tournament as his Northern Iowa Panthers took down the number one overall seed Kansas Jayhawks. We discuss his thrilling shot at the end of that game against Kansas. The game before that, where he hit another game winner, which may not be as popular, and a phone call he got from Reggie Miller. But first, let's give a shout out to our two sponsors. First, Midwest Basketball Training. Pat Freeman and his team do a great job of working with youth basketball players in the metro area. And you guys should check out their website at MidwestBasketballTraining.com for more information on their new facility and youth and player development opportunities. Speaking of training, Steve Brown is someone who was heavily involved in basketball training when I worked with him at the Timberwolves, but now he should be your go-to guy in the clutch for buying or selling a home. The South Dakota State Hall of Famer is a proven winner and his ability to deliver on-time effective results greatly benefit the first-time home buyer, as well as those looking to purchase their next dream home. Coldwell Banker Realty and Steve Brown are your trusted guide. Contact him today to start the process via email at stephen.brown at cbrealty.com. That's stephen.brown at cbrealty.com. Now let's head into the Bears Den. I'm excited to be joined by Ali Farouk Manesh today, who had a, a great career at the University of Northern Iowa and is now assistant coach on the Colorado State men's basketball staff. And welcome to the program today, Ali. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. So I figured, Ali, we would just um, spend this time probably you know, just talk about parenting, what's it like to raise kids, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's not like anything else happened to you um, or that, that you're known for, right? No, I mean, that's all I'm doing right now anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got three of them, right? Three, I got, three young kids? I have three kids and then one more on the way right now. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So you're maybe going for the starting five then? Uh, no, we're definitely <laughs> not doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm good after this. Like we got, I have two boys and a girl and we're actually waiting to see with this one until that baby comes out to, to know if it's a boy or a girl. So we're just, we're, we're excited. We've had all healthy babies. So we're not, I don't want to push it anymore. <laughs> right. Yep. No, that's exciting. That's congratulations. Um, so the first thing I just kind of noticed about you, Ollie, was your background with your parents. Um, you grew up in Pullman, Washington, but then they moved to Iowa. I think it was when you're going to be a junior in high school, but they were big in the volleyball scene. Is, is that right? Both of your parents? Yeah, both my parents. So they were, um, they're the head coach. Well, my mom's the head coach and my dad's the assistant and, um, they run the household that same way too. And so I grew up, uh, being around college athletics my whole life. So they were the head coaches at Weber state university. Um, and then at Washington state, and I was actually born in Ogden, Utah and moved there when I was one to Pullman, Washington, um, was there for 15 years, then moved my junior year of high school to Iowa. And they were the coaches at the University of Iowa. Um, and they're there for four years. And then they went to uh, University of uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV. So okay. um, they've been they've been coaching. I think they've been coaching together. They coached together for 34 years, I believe. So no kidding. that's that, that, that's incredible. They've been married. They've been married for 38 and they were coached, they coached for 34. So that's pretty incredible. That is. And how many, how many of those years, 30 some odd years, Ali, were they on the same staff together? The, the whole time my mom was a head coach, my dad was her, his, uh, her assistant. So they had the whole entire time. And they went to, I think they went to one elite eight, three other sweet 16s. Um, they were, they were 
they had the player of the year in the country one year. Um, so they, they had a, they had a lot of success, man, that there's working with your spouse, you know, at the same job, but then there's working for your spouse when you're a coach, that's gotta be, they, they used to drive to work together at UNLV and I have no idea. I, I love my wife and she's going to listen to this, but, um, I don't know if we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. My, my wife would probably say the same thing. <laughs> so then, then you guys moved to Iowa, Ollie, and you end up going to, um, Iowa city West high school. And what, what type of player were, were you in high school? Were you a standout player? Were you, you know, kind of just right below that? Or what was your high school career like? I, I was good in high school. I, um, I actually was MVP of our conference my senior year, first team All-State, all state, all those accolades and whatnot. Um, we were the number one ranked team in the state my senior year of high school. So um, had a really good career in high school. Um, I was just a dime a dozen. <laughs> I was the six foot, five, five, eleven um white guy out there so it wasn't like I was anything special um just looking out on paper it wasn't didn't have long arms wasn't very bouncy wasn't overly quick um so uh, I just worked hard um and, and loved the game um so that was kind of that was my high school career it was great like I you know but um that was kind of kind of where it was okay and what kind of attention or offers then were you getting you know, your junior and senior years of high school, was it D1, D2, kind of what kind of offers were, were you looking neither, at? Neither one of those, Matt. Uh, okay. So I didn't have, I didn't have a D1 scholarship offer or interest. Uh, didn't have a D2 scholarship um, offer. Um, I had some D3s that were interested in me. Um, I didn't have any, any high scholarship. I had no scholarship offers from any type of level. Um, so the only thing I had was I had a JUCO scholarship offer from Indian Hills and Kirkwood. And so I decided to take a chance and uh, decided to go Juco actually out of high school. Cause I, I, my dream was to play division one and it wasn't happening at that point. And, and division two wasn't an option either, really. So I, for the two places I wanted to play, it wasn't there for me. So I thought junior college was the best route for, for me to go. Yeah. That's interesting. And obviously, you know, it, it was a, a few years ago, Ali, when that happened, but how big is that, you know, for you in your progression, but then also for kids to realize like there's good basketball at the next level, really, no matter where you play. Um, and then when you're there, you just got to make the most of your opportunity, which it sounds like you probably did to get noticed then by you and I. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, at, at some point you have to be real with yourself and not that I wasn't, um, but I had to do more and I was doing a lot. It wasn't like I was, I mean, I was in the gym all the time doing extra work, but um, for me, what it was, I, I had to do that much more than everybody else. Um, so I, I dedicated myself even more to being in the gym. I was in the gym probably three times a day. I mean, that was all I was doing for those the next two years of my college career. And um, it paid off. But it kind of comes back to what I always tell our guys now is like there are no choices to where you want to go if you want to get there. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's once you decide that there's no choices, I have to go shoot. I have to go do the extra recovery. I have to do these things. Um that's part of it. And then understanding that like when you have a passion like that and you're around high level people all the time. So you see that it, just because you have a passion for something doesn't mean that there's not a burden that comes with that as well. And part of that burden of being an athlete is that you miss out on a lot of stuff and you sacrifice a lot of stuff um, to, to be able to do that. And people really only see the passionate side of it and the, in the, the great side of it where, you know, sports illustrated things like that, winning championships, they, that's like, man, that's awesome. You're living out your dream. Well, they don't see how much of that burden that added up to get to that point too. And um, that, that, that's when I did truly like dedicated myself that much more, I, I started seeing the benefits of what was happening and, um, and, and I don't mean that like I wasn't working cause I don't want to make it sound like that, but there's more, there's a different level to it. And, and I think that's for everybody. It's, it's different. Like some other people that I didn't have to do as much as I did, <laughs> but for me to get to where I wanted to go, um, I had to do more than anybody else. Yeah. I think it's important to realize that and, you know, be honest, like you said, be honest with yourself and realize that hey, there's another gear or level that I need to get to, um, to achieve my, my goal. So, um, you attend, like you said, Ali, you ended up at the, going the Juco route at Indian Hills and then Kirkwood Community College. And then, you know, you get that picked up by you and I or, or noticed by Coach Jacobson there. Was there anyone else taking notice at that time or was it just strictly Coach Jacobson in, in Northern Iowa? 
Yeah, I, I had a lot of interest once um, that la last year of junior college. Um, I was like for a first team uh, junior college All American, um, averaged 18 points, like six assists a game, and and we were a top four team in the country. Um, so really good. We were winning, and I was playing well. So I had a ton of interest and. Um, it actually came down to Northern Iowa and St. Louis um, and St. Lu Louis with coach Majerus. Yeah. With coach Majerus. Okay. Um, and that was a really hard decision. Uh, Cause obviously coach Majerus is a legend in the game. Um, and I, I chose Northern Iowa and essentially it came down to not anything to do with like St. Louis as much, but more the fact that I thought Northern Iowa, I could win when we, when I was there. And that was always important to me. I always wanted to win. And that was the number one goal. And both places said I could play. They, you know, we're going to develop me, blah, 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 all that, all that stuff. And I believed everything, but, um, with you and I and coach Jacobson, I really thought that we could win, um, because we had Adam cook and Jordan Eggleseer there and a couple of Minnesota guys, uh, too, that were there, uh, when I was playing, but I really believed that we could win and I was going to have a chance to impact that winning and it, it worked out decent. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I would say so. And so you end up at, at Northern Iowa, Ali, and then actually your first year, which would have been your you know junior year in college, you guys end up making the NCAA tournament. Um, was that kind of a surprise for you guys to make the tournament that year? Or was that something that was expected to happen for that group? No, not at all. We were, I think we were picked sixth or seventh in the preseason pre polls. So we're, like if you're seventh in the Valley, you're nowhere close to making the tournament. Um, and, and it was interesting because when I got there, we wrote up goals, um, and, and coach Jake sent us down there and had one of our team leaders, uh, write up the goal. And they said, make a postseason uh, tournament, whether it's like NIT, whatever. And I kind of stood up and I was like, well, I didn't come here to make the NIT. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's great. Like, that's not like to make the NIT still, like, that's hard, mm -hmm. but like I, I didn't come here to make the NIT. I never dreamed of that. It was the same thing why I went JUCO. I never dreamed of playing, and everyone's dreams are different. I never dreamed of playing D3 or D2 or any. I dreamed of playing Division One. so that's what I wanted to do. Um, and it was the same thing when we got to UNI. I was like, I didn't, I'm, I want to play in the NCAA tournament. That's what. That's why I put in all this time. That's why I sacrificed all this. Time. That's why I went JUCO to get to this point. Um, so then we changed it and we wrote NCAA tournament. And then we started out six and seven. <laughs> so it wasn't, we weren't very yep. close. And I was like, oh, maybe we should have put CBI. <laughs> right. um, but, and then, and then everything just changed after that. And I think it was kind of that resiliency that built up and we had a new group and we had Kajo and Johnny Moran and all these guys that were kind of new blood into the program. And um, it kind of changed the way things went from there. And, and we weren't going to take losing anymore. And we really came together and, went on a run. I think we won 11 games in a row in conference um, and then ended up winning the uh, co-champions in the Missouri Valley um, and then went to the conference tournament from there. Yeah. And then you guys make the NCAA tournament, like I said, that 2008, 2009 year, Ali, and then you um, meet up with Purdue in the first round and um, end up losing to those guys. But was that kind of motivation then for, for you the next year to get back and, and improve on that finish? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's kind of like that old saying that you know if you shoot for if you shoot for this uh, the moon you land amongst the stars. Well, we kind of we set our goal for the NCAA tournament. It was kind of like, hey, we made it, and it was awesome. Not that we were satisfied, but I think it was kind of that we didn't quite have that same hunger once we got there. It was just you know because we weren't expected to make it, mm -hmm. and um, we made it, and we played well. I think it was we only lost by five to Purdue, so it wasn't like we went in there and just gave in. But um, ended up losing that one by five and. I, it was huge motivation the next summer and all of us, every time we met in the gym, we talked about, we want to make a run. We want to make a run. We're making a run. And when we, when we get to the tournament and I, it, it was just, that was the motivation. That was the message. Um, and we, every day that we shot together um, or we worked out together, there was always some notion of that in the background, in, in our minds. And, and whenever somebody wasn't working, we'd be like, well, that, like, that's not, that's not how we work. And I think that was that whole culture shift. And that happened over that year and a half span. And it's a lot of credit to Coach Jacobson and Kyle Green and P.J. Hogan and Ben Johnson. Um, geez, a bunch of Minnesota guys. Uh, yeah, I know it. <laughs> but uh, it's a huge credit to those those guys, too, for for keeping us humble but hungry at the same time. Yeah, there there is definitely some truth to that for sure, Ali. And then you guys end up – you know, that 09 tenure is kind of when the magic happened. So, you know, you guys had a, a really 
solid team, Ali, that year. You know, the Cook brothers, Adam and Jake. You had the the big seven footer, like you said, Jordan Eagle Cedar. Um, you know, Kajola Helgba um, and and Mark Sonnen from Tartan. You know, yeah. people in Minnesota here will remember those guys. And you won the regular season title. I don't believe you lost a game at home that that whole year. Is is that right? Yeah, I believe so. That was um yeah no that was a special year. It was we had a we had a great group and obviously Mark came in as a freshman that year and um what really changed things for us is is the bench got better that year and so even with our starting five we returned everybody but our starting five was obviously very good but then when we brought our bench in there wasn't this huge drop off and i think that's that's the sign of elite teams is when you when you sub or when you come to your bench that there's there's always going to be a little drop off but it wasn't very significant most of the time with our bench it was they either kept it even for the game or they got us even a bigger lead and that was what that's what made that team special and obviously not losing at home. That was, it was a blast being in the McLeod center that whole season. And um, it, it came around to it. I think the last seven games of the seven or eight games of the season was completely sold out standing room only. And um, there's no better experience than that. Yeah. Those, those are fun when you really get uh, the place rocking and, you know, the support from the community and in the school behind you. So you guys end up uh, then I looked, you kind of rolled through the conference championship you know, Ali, I've, I've talked to some other guys about this, um, you know, before Mike Dom and stuff who was at South Dakota State, just the the pressure that goes on a mid-major conference that is a one, you know, usually a one bid league mm. for the most part, just the conference championship. Did you guys feel a lot of pressure going into the conference tournament that, you know, you had to get this done to make the tournament? It was funny. We never really talked about it. Um we just, and that was the whole season was just like one game at a time and you just plan for the next one. And um, that helped us because I got lucky the two years I was at UNI, we went six and oh, I was in the Valley tournament and never lost a game there. <laughs> um, and then I give Nico crap for that. I was like, yeah, the only time I've lost in the Valley tournament is with you now. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it, I think pressure and that's, that's, that is the hard part. There is a ton of pressure because that's your one chance to make it in some of these leagues. But um like we tell our guys too, like pressure is something that you make up in your mind. It's, it doesn't actually exist. And I think that's what we had to do. And that was our mentality. It was like, it was another game. This is what we do. This is what we, we practice all the time. Like pressure is just something that somebody else made up. So we approached it like that. And and like you said, that whole tournament, we won every game by 15 plus points. So we, we were on a, we were on a mission and it didn't matter who was in the way of it. And then you guys make it to the NCAA tournament, reach that goal and the first round, you know, everyone talks about your shot against against Kansas, Ali, but the first round game against UNLV, I had forgotten about this or or something happened in my brain where I was like, <laughs> I don't remember this being a big deal, but that first round, you hit the game winner in that game as well, a three-pointer with four seconds left. What What was that game like? That was a fun game. That was a back and forth battle. They were pressing. It was that that game was so much different. And I'm not saying we're comparing ourselves to Kansas at all, but Kansas's style and our style were very similar in the sense they were a little more they did a little more in transition than we did. But we were both kind of similar half court defense, half court offense type teams. And then UNLV was press, get up and down, like make things chaotic. And so it was completely contrasting styles in that game, which made for an interesting first round. Um, and yeah, it was six. Well, before that we were up three and I actually gave up a three. I, I did the Cardinal sin and helped in on, off a shooter when we're up three already. But, um, so that's the coach and me. Uh, <laughs> yep. so I helped in, gave up the three. So it was my fault. We were even in that situation. Um, and then we got the ball across half court. It was tied up and Kajo had to handle the press. Cause I think it was the time between the shot clock and the game was, it was really tight. Um, and so he had to handle it. We we're trying to get one last shot and they were trapping and, um, he had the wherewithal to just make a pass across the court to Johnny Moran and he caught it and then he dribbled up and threw it across the court to me then. Um, and I caught it about 25, 26 feet and just felt in rhythm and let it fly from there and made it. And four, four, uh, four seconds left after that. And the game was over. And, and the thing I read too, about you guys, I think you were a little, um, I don't know what's the right word, but upset or, you know, slighted about the seed you got, you guys were the nine seed and, and maybe felt, you know, you were probably a little bit better than that, or should have been, you know, given a little better seed Ali with that. Cause that eight, nine games, a challenge. 
yeah. you know, and then if you win that one, then you go against the one seed. Did you guys kind of feel that way? Like maybe you deserved a little better seed that year overall? Yeah, definitely. Mo- most of the year we were ranked. Um, so that's why, that's why it was kind of surprising that, you know, and then you dominate your conference tournament too. Um, and so you're thinking maybe we're at the seven, six range, somewhere around there. And, um, obviously we weren't. And, um, and then, and then it, I guess it kind of made us even more, I guess, besides the pressure, it made us realize too, like, shoot, if we don't win the conference tournament, we, I don't know if we were going to get in then. Um, but yeah, we, we felt slighted and I think it, it gave us a little more of a chip on our shoulder too, going into that game. But, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, coach Jacobson, I still remember this to this day, cause we were, you know, we're coming in that whole summer thinking we got a great opportunity. Let's, you know, we want to make a run in the tournament. And then you sit in there on selection Sunday and you end up being the nine seed and you then, Oh, you're not just the nine seed, but you're also the nine seed that has to play the number one team in the country. Who's been the number one team in the country pretty much the whole season. Um, so there goes your run. Uh, but it was, it was, and coach Jake just changed that and flipped the whole narrative on it and said, you know, this is a great opportunity. And that's how we, that's how we looked at it. Stop feeling slighted, stop feeling sorry for ourselves, stop being this victim mentality. And um, really just from there, it was like, man, this is, this is awesome. We get to play. If we win this game, then we get to play the best team in the country. Let's see what we're really made of. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you guys win that game, like I said, against UNLV in the first round, Ali, and that gives you and I their first tourney win um, in 20 years. It had been 20 years since they won a, a tournament game. And w- could you tell was excitement kind of picking up around school and campus where you, where you're hearing things about, you know, people really getting into, into it. Yeah. It point? Was, yeah. It was pretty crazy, especially after we beat Kansas. That was when it was crazy. I remember going to my finance class at 8 a.m. the uh, on that Monday after we got back and um, I was dead tired. I think I fell asleep in the class, uh, but I did the classic, put your hand over your head and pretend like yep. you're looking at the papers and fall asleep. Uh, but, and I remember then the teacher comes up to me and is like, Hey, like if you need any help with anything, just let me know. I know you guys are super busy right now. And I was like, yeah, I need a lot of help. <laughs> um, but then I remember getting all these text messages from our ops guy, Derek Nets. And um, he said that I was going to be on the cover of sports illustrated. And I was like, like, like what? I was this guy four years ago. I was, I was trying to get a scholarship from anybody. Um, and then I'm in that situation. So I find that out. We're walking in the hallways and I'm like, everyone's coming up, giving high fives, like hit patting me on the back and everything. And these two kids get down on their knees and start bowing. Oh, geez. <laughs> and, and the funniest part about that is like probably about a month ago, we're getting ready for Southern Illinois and we're playing them on ESPN two. And I'm in one of my classes and I kind of sit in the middle row and these guys are talking about the game ahead of me in front of my class. And I'm always wearing you and I stuff. You know, I got my sweatpants on. I'm all every Athlete day. garb. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just roll out of bed and put those on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these guys turn back to me and they go, Hey, are you going to the game tonight? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and they're like, Oh yeah, it's going to be exciting and, and whatnot. And they're like, do you know how to get tickets? I'm like, no, I don't. And um, I was like the whole time I was like, they, so they had no idea I was on the team, obviously. Right. I was like, did they like, did they just think I was like a, a massive UNI basketball fan? I just wore UNI basketball stuff every day or what? But so to go from not no like people in my class, I no idea who it was to walking in the hallways and people are high fiving, coming up to me every which way just trying to talk to me. Oh, that is classic. I love that. So let, let's get to that game, Ali, that kind of really, you know, has people cemented has you cemented in their mind and for, for March madness and everything is that next game with Kansas. Like you said, they're the number one overall seed in in the entire tournament. They were 33 and two. Uh, and I'm just going to read some of the players they had on their roster, Ali, cause it's, it's crazy. So Sharon Collins, who is unbelievable college guard, Tyshawn Taylor, Xavier Henry, who was an NBA draft pick. And then Mark Marquise Markeef and Marcus Morris, the, Mar- the Morris twins who were in the NBA and then Cole Aldrich um, from, you know, Bloomington Jefferson here in Minnesota, who also made the NBA. So, th- I mean, their roster was loaded and they were um, averaging 82 points a game, which I believe was tops in the country. And so what was coach Jacobson in, in the game plan going in to kind of stop these guys? Uh, hope and pray. Uh, no, uh, it was uh, honestly, it was just do what we do. I, I, nothing really changed. One of the biggest things was we had to get back in transition. They were a really good transition team, no easy baskets in transition. Um, and then it was just 
do what we do on defense. That's what we were built on. And I think at some point you just have to trust your own, you have to trust your work. Um, you can't mix up a game plan. You can't try to trick it up and do something that you've never done before and expect to all of a sudden be successful with it. Um, we had gotten that far with our defense. Why not take your, why not do what you've always done against the best team in the country and, and, and see where, see where, the, see where the cards might fall after that. But that was kind of the message again, just, we're going to do what we do. Yeah. We're going to have to play at a higher level. Yeah. We're going to have to make shots, but that's like every game. And I watched the whole game back the other day, Ali, the other, you know, cause it's on YouTube and you guys, I think you said this earlier in, in our chat here, Ali, but you were a great matchup for them. I thought it was, the styles were very similar. Um, and I don't know if people remember this, but you guys were pretty much controlling the entire game. And especially in the first half, I mean, Jordan Eggleseeder started out like a man possessed. I mean, he looked like Joel Embiid out there yeah. or something. I mean, he hit a couple three-pointers. And, you know, how was that guy playing that, for, especially the first half, Ali? Yeah, it was, I mean, we came out guns a-blazing from the jump. I remember we went up 10-2 and Johnny Moran looked like we had already won the game when they called the timeout. But um, that you're right, though. The styles of play were, were very similar. They... I wouldn't have said this back then, but yeah, they had better players than us, but um, obviously we were, and they were pretty connected too. two years ago, they won the national championship. Mm -hmm. So, um, but not, you're right though. The styles of play matched up really well for us in terms of, they were going to do similar stuff that we were going to do. Um, they had a seven footer that was talented. We had a seven, we just happened to be in the Valley with a seven footer that was extremely talented as well in Jordan, um, we had Adam Cook, who was a six eight four man um, who could go inside and outside. Um, the only thing we didn't have matchups for was I think we had Johnny Moran, who's six one, guarding Xavier Henry, who's six seven. Um, so those matchups, once we got to the three spot up, we kind of fell off the matchup board. Um, but that that's what was interesting is, I mean, we had two guys that whether you want to call them high major, mid major, whatever, we had two guys that could compete at the highest level um, in Jordan and Adam. And I think that's what separated us from a lot of other teams that we're at our levels is not a lot of teams could match up with Jordan Adam. Yeah. They, they had great games, especially Jordan. And then, you know, you had a big play uh, that people may not remember too, Ali, but the behind the back pass in the second half. Uh, do, you, do you remember that play quite vividly as well? Yeah, that was my favorite play actually. Uh, <laughs> but that's the fun part about it. And that's what coach Jake gives you so much confidence. Cause like, I mean, some other people would probably be like, well, what are you guys doing? Like you just play safe, like play, do what you do, blah, blah, blah. But like basketball is still a game, you know? And I think that's what you got to allow your kids to be creative out there. And I think that's what's, that's what coach Medved does a great job of too right now is we allow our guys to play. Like we got some rules and parameters of how we do things and whatnot, but you got to let your players be players, you know? And that's what coach Jake always did for us. Like you had the guard, but on offense, he was going to let you play. We, we did things a certain way, but like you could go make plays. And so like when I threw that behind the back pass, it wasn't anything I was just making. I felt like that was the right play to do in that moment. And maybe I wanted to put a little uh, spazazz on it or something. I don't mm -hmm. know. No, that was awesome. And so we get to the, you know, second half, late second half of the game. And like I said, you guys were leading the entire game for, from basically the jump. And then they start putting the, the full court press on and it starts getting to you guys. You know, there's a couple turnovers and, I, you know, they get the lead, uh, you know, down to one. Um, and you guys are inbounding under your basket. So it's 63, 62. And, you, you know, there's a timeout. So what, what's being said in the, in the timeout, cause there's 42 seconds left, you know, you guys will have the ball for the entire shot clock. If you want it to wear it down, what was the plan or what was coach Jacobson talking about coming out of that timeout for you guys inbounding the ball? John, don't turn the ball over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we honestly, we had, we had so many turnovers up to that point. I don't think we crossed half court in those last five minutes. Um, but it was just, take care of the ball. Um, it was setting up the press break because we literally had just turned it over before that. Um, and we had, I think we had two other ones in the last three minutes too. So we're talking more about the press break and, and just to calm down. Like I think most people that know coach Jacobson um, at Northern Iowa know that he's very calm, cool, and collected. And I think that's, that's how we always played too. There was nothing that rattled us. We just, you know, we kept doing what we did and trusted and, you know, you move on to the next play and, and nobody was rattled in that, in that huddle. Cause we were up, I think we were up 12 at some point with like eight minutes to go. Um, so obviously we fell apart uh, and you would have never guessed that by the timeout. 
you know, he, he, I remember walking over to him and he's very stoic and, and you know, most people, he would be freaking out. You're about to beat the number one team in the country You're up 12 with eight minutes to go and you just blew the lead. And now it's a one point game. Uh, and he just kept this calm, cool and collected. And we set up the press break and went from there. Yeah. So we get the baseline inbounds, you know, on the far end away from your basket, Ali. And there's a couple passes that lead up to, you know, before the ball gets to you and your big moment, but the ball was darn near stolen on the sidelines there. How close was it to being picked off? And I think, I think it almost got stolen twice. Uh, <laughs> we had some grace on our side or something. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it almost got stolen two different times. I don't know what we were thinking. Obviously we should have talked about not throwing bounce passes against a full court press, but uh, <laughs> we threw two of them almost got stolen two different times. Um, and then, and then got it up to Kajo. Um, and then Johnny and I were up ahead on the front court of the press break and I caught it and, and the guy, I kind of, I caught it, looked guy backed off of me. And then I thought at that moment, it was take the shot to win the game. Yeah. So you get the ball with 38 seconds left on the game clock, Ali, and there's 30 seconds left on the shot clock. Still again, keep in mind, you're up one. Um, and was, was the plan to work? the clock down or what went through your mind when you get the ball? Because you were, you were wide, you were pretty wide open. Like you said, the guy stepped back. Did you think about pulling it back out or were you just like, I'm going to let this fly right now? It honestly, it never crossed my mind to pull it back out. I think it was one of those moments where it was, you know, you're, you're up one, you're playing the number one team in the country. Um, and you have a chance to, you have a chance to basically seal the game. And how many, how many opportunities do you have in your lifetime to be in a situation like that? You don't. And I think the only way to win a game like that is to, is to err on the side of aggressiveness. And I think that's, there wasn't a decision to be made. It was, I, I want to win this game. Like we got to this point. Um, I knew my teammates trusted me. And I, I knew coach Jacobson trusted me and he trusted us. And I think that's, that was the biggest thing. We had such a built in trust within our team that there's no question. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about missing it. I didn't think about anything else. I thought about making the shot and that was it. Yeah. And make it, you did all I mean, it didn't even hit the rim. I mean, perfect swish. I, I still heard the sound on the video. You could hear the swish. I mean, which is no better sound to a, to a shooter. And I know Kevin Harlan was on the call for that game, which, which is awesome. Harlan's great. But when I remember you taking that shot, the first thing I thought of was, man, this guy's got onions and Bill, <laughs> Bill Raftery, you know, D is that something you thought of too, was Bill Raftery and, and what he may have called during, during that? <laughs> No, I, I mean, it, yeah, that was, it, it's, it, it's funny looking back on it now, just cause it was one of those moments that, you know, like I grew up watching Bryce Drew and I, I grew up watching all those, like the Gonzaga shots, the, the tip-ins at the buzzer, the, um, uh, the Richard Hamilton tip-in with UConn. I mean, I grew up watching the NCAA tournament. I grew up watching those moments and um, to be able to be in one of those moments was, I, I, that was special looking back on it. To be honest though, Matt, I never thought about anything while I was in the game. And I think that comes back to like, I just wanted to win more than anything else. Yep. And that was it. I wanted to win the game. So there was no thought process that went into. It. And I think that's, if you're around enough, I mean, you see it all the time with these, with these NBA guys and high level basketball players that the less you think and the more you just trust your habits, the better you are. Yep. Just reaction. You're yep. exactly right. And so you, the, the crazy thing too, about that game, Ali, is you made your first three, three pointers. And then you missed your next five. Mm -hmm. So coming up to that huge shot and that big moment, you had had five chances and you, and you know, to put it lightly, it was failure for you. You know, you missed the shots. What, what still gave you the confidence in that moment, even though you had missed your previous five that I'm going to knock this down. Yeah, I try to forget about that, but thanks. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, and I think actually I missed my next, I think I started out five for five or four for four or something to start the game. And then I missed my next seven um in a row uh shots and um so yeah it, it's and that goes back to the trust and that goes back to the work and believing in yourself and and having those people around you as well to believe in you and so i didn't i didn't think about that i missed the next seven i just thought i'm open and i believe in my what i've done up to this point and i know my teammates do and i know my coach does so there was no thought process again because of all those things subconsciously that i had built in growing up and, and that coach Jake built in the culture and the teammates and the camaraderie and all those things. Um, I didn't have to think. 
Yep. And just reaction again, you know, all the repetition coming to the forefront. That sound means we've reached halftime of this episode. And I want to take a moment to hear from our sponsor, Midwest Basketball Training and Pat Freeman. What's up, everyone? Coach Pat here with Midwest Basketball Training. Our message of the day today is popcorn is prepared in the same pot, in the same heat, in the same oil. And yet the kernels do not all pop at the same time. Don't compare yourself to others. Your turn to pop will come soon. Keep your head down and keep working hard. It may take a week, a month, a year, five years, but hard work will pay off down the road. Thanks, Pat. Let's get back to the interview. So you got, you make the shot, obviously, and then you go up four, but the game's not over. I mean, there's still 20-something seconds left. And then KU gets the ball, and they come down, and you guys draw a charge in the lane uh, on Kansas. How big was that play? That was bigger than my shot, probably, to be honest. Like, Jake, Jake Cook taking that charge was that, – that was the play of the game right there. Because if they score right there, we're still in close to the same predicament that we were just in. Um, and him taking that charge that that sealed the game, and I think that's you can tell by the reactions if you if you watch that clip that we were even after I made that shot there was no celebration on the court like we were all sprinting back in transition again, um, and then until Jake took that charge is when we all when we all started celebrating a little bit, and then after that you get the ball and get fouled and then you make your two free throws so you scored the last five points for your team, Ali, and you guys end up winning 69, 67, just unbelievable upset, you know, of the, the number one seed in the, in the entire tourney. And you guys uh, go on and, and make the sweet 16. And um, the crazy thing that, that I thought to Ali for you is, you know, you had some huge moments and came up big for your team, but it, it's not like you were the man on your team. You were the fourth leading scorer. Like you said, you guys had great balance. Um, and you were averaging nine, I think nine, right around 10 points a game. But yeah. in the biggest moments, you came up the biggest for your team. How good did that make you feel as, as a contributor to your team? No, absolutely. I think that's, that, that was what was special about that team. You know, Adam Cook was player of the year. Um, and our points per game averages, I think Adam averaged 13. Jordan averaged about 13. Kajo averaged about 11. I averaged 10. Um, and then we had a bunch of other guys that were right around that seven, six, five points per game range. Um, and, and I think that's what made us special. That's what made us hard to guard. But, you know, any any great team, there has to be some level of sacrifice. And so all of us, all of us had to give up something if we wanted to be the best possible team we could be. It wasn't going to be a, one of us averaging 16, 17 points a game. It was going to be, hey, any night, any of us can score 20. But for us to be our best, we all have to take make the right shots and and play together as a group and and that's what we did that's what we bought into and um what happened was great success for our entire group and every everybody got to as the phrase goes everybody got to eat after that yeah it sounds like a very you know unselfish well-balanced group that you guys had there so you make the first the school's first trip ever to the sweet 16 and as i was digging in a little more to the tournament i mean there were crazy things that happened not just with that game but other games in, the, in that year, um, you know, that was the first time a number one seed had lost in the round of 32 in six years. You know, like you said, Ali, you end up on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And, and I mean, what a thrill that must have been. Was, was, what was the biggest thing that happened to you after making that shot? Was it someone you met or was it the cover of Sports Illustrated? Or what was the biggest happening to you after that moment? Man, uh, I think when we went to the ESPYs, uh, that was that was a blast. That was a once in a lifetime experience. And then, uh, I mean, just some of the phone calls and the, and the, some of the people that I got to speak with and whatnot. Like Reggie Miller called me and talked to me, um, and, and so just moments like that. And then, honestly, just to live out your dream like that—that that, that was my dream was to play in the NCAA tournament and to have a moment like that. That was, I mean, that's. Literally, that's what I dreamed of. I, I obviously I dreamed of playing in the NBA, but um, that that was always my dream was to play in the NCAA tournament and make a run in the NCAA tournament because I grew up around it my whole life, and, and so I was it was a little different for me. I, I saw it up close at Washington State. They never made the tournament when I was there, but uh, I, I grew up watching the tournament all the time, and that's that's that, that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I always dreamed of. So wait a second. One of the greatest shooters of all time 
Reggie Miller called you up. What, what was that conversation like? Uh, it was, it was really cool. It was, it was surreal. Um, he, he kind of joked with me at first and, uh, just talked to me about like, you know, I, I know why you shot that shot. And like, if you're a shooter, you shoot. Um, and, and so it was, it was really cool to hear him say that and, and just kind of talk about how he thought about shooting. And, and he gave me a couple drills too, that he does. Um, and, and I still do it with our guys today. We just call it the Reggie Miller drill. Um, so it was, it was a special moment to, you know, get on the phone with one of, if not the best three point shooter in NBA history. So did you ask him any questions? Asked him what he did, what how he worked out, how he did shooting, and um, specific things like that. And he just kind of talked about how he would do a ton of game game like shots. Um, he did he did a lot of reps, but he honestly talked more about like he constantly was getting game like rep shots. It wasn't it wasn't a massive amount of reps, but it was it was the reps he did were very specific to the shots that he would get in games. God, what a cool thrill to hear from him! Yeah, and no, then, it was awesome. And then how about the ESPYS, Ali? I know you referenced that real quick, but what was the biggest thrill from the ESPYS that night? Was it someone you met or, cause I think you guys won the award too for biggest comeback. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we won the award. It was, uh, it was awesome going on stage and, and seeing everybody up there and uh, being up there with coach Jacobson and, and one of my teammates, Adam cook as well. Uh, it was, it was a surreal moment. And then being around all these stars and in, in terms of the sports world, um, like doc Julius Irving was like three rows next to us. Um, we we're actually sitting next to Gordon Hayward. Um, so it was it was a really cool moment, really amazing experience. Uh, we were it was the red carpet service, like walking on the red carpet and like I'm this little 22 year old with no money. And uh, and I got this suit that doesn't really fit me that well. <laughs> and all these other guys got these Armani suits and everything on and they're looking extra sharp. And I'm thinking I look really good when I yeah, I, I was a little off from everybody else. But it was a it was an amazing experience. And it's. It, once in a lifetime again. And there, and there was more craziness too, Ali. I mean, you guys made the sweet 16 and then matched up against Michigan state, but um, you weren't even the lowest seed in, in the sweet 16 that year. There was three double digit seeds that made the sweet 16 uh, number 11 seed, Washington number 12 seed Cornell, who I believe are on the same part of the bracket. And mm-hmm. then the number 10 seed St. Mary's. So you guys technically weren't even the biggest Cinderella to make it to the sweet 16 that year. No, exactly. That was a crazy year. That was one of the, that was probably like, I, I remember when it was happening that they said that was one of the craziest years uh, in terms of, of, of the NCAA tournament and the upsets and, and whatnot and how far some of the Cinderella's uh, went. And then you guys match up against, against Michigan state Ali, and they had a pretty good team for those that don't remember, you know, Darrell Summers, Corey Lucius. And then they had a guy coming off the bench by the name of Draymond Green. that uh, people may have heard of now Um, you guys gave them a battle you know 59 52 was the final score but what do you what do you remember about that game I that was it was I just remember the hoops feeling like they were in the middle of nowhere because we were playing in in a football uh, stadium so yeah which which stadium was that Uh, it was Lucas Oil I think down in uh, um, in 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 St. Oh in St. Louis actually okay um so i can't remember what i can't remember what stadium that is but it was the old st louis rams uh, football stadium and so there's like thirty four thousand people in there um and, and it was i mean amazing atmosphere obviously that's you're getting close to the pinnacle of college uh athletics and especially especially for basketball um but i i remember being we were that close because it was actually tied i think 52 all or, or 50 50 or something with about three minutes left and um we were right there to win it. It just didn't, didn't go our way. And, and that was the year Butler made the final four too. Um, so it, it was kind of, it was surreal seeing them make it and being like, you know, we were, we were right there to make that run because our goal that year, just like I said, that we, our goal before was make the NCAA tournament that 08, 09 season. Our goal was actually make the final four that year. Not to say that we were like, you know, devastated that we lost the game and whatnot. Obviously, we knew that we accomplished a lot, but it still wasn't, it wasn't our main goal. It was still, we wanted to make the final four that year. Yeah. And the team you ended up losing to Michigan state did make the final four. So it's not like you, you know, bowed out to a bad team or anything like that. I mean, they, they were definitely, you know, well-deserving and made the final four. And then, like you said, Ali, the craziness continued because Duke met Butler in the championship game 
And we all remember what happened that game. I mean, Duke uh, ended up missing the one free throw to put him up by two. And then Gordon, Gordon Hayward just bank misses the bank shot from half court, which like yeah. you said, would have had a mid major winning the whole thing yeah. um, that year in, in, I believe Indiana, I believe the championship yeah, game was in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yeah. That so was a, it was a special tournament for sure. Yeah, it really was on a lot of levels. And then you, college, you know, that was your senior year, Ali, and you end up um, playing overseas. What, what was that like for you as a player to get that experience to go overseas and play in different countries and, you know, experience different cultures? Yeah, it was a great, it was a wonderful experience. I, I got to see what it was like to, to live life overseas in Europe. You know, you, you go visit Europe. It, it's great. You know, I, I would love to go back and visit Europe, but to actually experience it while living in, in a culture, not just experience the culture, but I'm living in the culture. I'm part of the culture. Uh, that was that was special. See how people live differently. See how people operate differently. Um, how how the slower pace. I mean, there's so many different aspects of of European lifestyles. And, and I was in three different countries too, so I got to see it from three different countries as well. Um, so it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Obviously, I got pay, getting paid to play basketball while living in Europe um, is it, special just in itself. But um, I, I wouldn't have traded that experience for for anything in the world. I got I learned a lot about basketball and learned a lot about myself um, and gave me more of a cultural view on how, how to live and, and how other people live and more respect for, for people that come from different places than, than yourself. And I think that was what was cool about it. I think in basketball, obviously you get so many people from different aspects of life um, and that's, what's great about it. But in Europe, it, it was even more to a different level because now these people don't even speak the same language as me. And um, I got teammates from America as well. So the cultural influences to come together and win it's you can really see how a team has developed through that as well. Yeah. The, so many of the people that I talked to that played overseas, they just speak really highly of the experience and, and how much value they took, they took away from it. But uh, one funny thing I, I ran across to Ali, I think it was maybe when you retired from, you know, playing overseas or right before you got into the coaching stuff was you got to interview some, some Kansas fans at the <laughs> tournament, um, you know, and they, they didn't know it was you that, that was asking, you know, what's the best Kansas moment, you know, what's your least favorite Kansas tourney moment. What was that like? That seemed like a really fun little bit to do with those Kansas fans that year. Yeah, it, it felt like I was back in that uh, that classroom with my uh, college uh, my college classmates again, not knowing who I was. Uh, but no, it was fun. That was it was it was good. No one took it too hard. Um, it was funny though because the first couple of people we did like had they were like claimed to be huge Kansas fans. They had no idea what we were talking about with that with us beating them in 2010. I was like, well, how big of a fan are you then? Uh, and and then so when we were talking, then we met a few more people and and it was fun. They had a good time with it. And, I, and one of the guys I think was. Said it was like telling me he was a classmate of mine. Right. Yep. <laughs> it was like it was funny that you remember I was a classmate of him, but couldn't pick me out of a crowd. Yep. Oh, that was great. No, people should check that out if they haven't seen it. It's good humor. So then you decide to get into coaching, Ali, and join uh, Coach Tim Miles at Nebraska. What what made you decide coaching was the route you wanted to get into collegiately specifically? I think I always kind of lean towards that um, just growing up around in a college athletics environment and my, my parents both being coaches as well. And, and my mom's uh, background with, uh, with teachers from her whole side of her family. Um, and then just the love of the game. Uh, I grew up in kind of like what we said earlier, I wasn't the most just talented kid out there in terms of just athletic ability and, and whatnot. Uh, so I had to earn everything that I got. And so that, that was something I always wanted to give to other, to, to, to the next generation of kids. And um, obviously, and now I'm getting to work with a lot more talented uh, players than myself um, and to be able to help them with their development and growth from the mental side to the, um, to the basketball piece of it as well. It, that's what makes it special. And that's why, that's why I love doing it. And I don't think I could do anything else besides this. It, it has to be something with teaching. And I think that's, I'm lucky that I, I look at myself more of like a, a teacher of basketball. And that's what's fun with this is Coach lets, Coach Medved let, lets us do this. Coach Miles let me do that. Um, and I've been fortunate to be with some really good people in this game. 
Yeah. Now you're with Nico Medved and then also some familiar faces to Minnesota fans, you know, coach Dave Thorson from De La Salle, who's now on that staff as well. And then one of your better players, David Roddy, you know, from right here in Minneapolis too, as, as we tape this, Ali, um, we're not quite to the postseason yet, but what are your guys's, do you feel good about the chances to make the NCAA tournament? How, how are we feeling internally there? Man, you never know. It's, it's 10 random humans making the decision on that. So, uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, We'll do what we can. Uh, we're in a good position right now. We're 14-4. We're um, in a tie for first place with San Diego State in our conference right now. Um, we got four games left. We'll play Air Force twice, New Mexico once, and then Nevada. Um, and we got four games in seven days too. Um, so it, it'll be a it'll be a tough stretch for us, but we're excited about it. And and you're right, Matt. It feels like it's it's Minnesota West out here. We got David Roddy and Jacob Jacob Jennison, who's from Sox Center, Minnesota. Um, and then obviously coach Thorson and Nico are both, both Minnesota guys too. And, uh, so it, it's, it's funny that's, there's a love fest for Minnesota over here in Colorado. Uh, yeah. but it's, it's been fun. Um, th- this run's been fun with our guys. We've got a great group of, of kids with uh, their high character kids. And that's, what's fun about it. We don't, I haven't had a bad academic meeting in the last two years with this group of guys, which is, I mean, that, how often does that happen? So Sometimes you got to sit back and also realize that, yeah, we're winning basketball games, but it's a joy to be around these guys on a day-to-day basis because of who they are too. So what are your responsibilities then on the, on the staff, Ali? Are you, um, you know, working on any of the offense or defense or are you scouting or what, what are your specific roles as an assistant with, with Nico's staff? So we, we all do recruiting. Um, we all have our own areas that we recruit and whatnot. Um, the unique thing with us too, is that we all get involved at some point. So um, usually initially the, we'll have a lead recruit on a guy, on a kid. And then once we decide like, Hey, this is our guy. Well now all, all three assistants will get involved. Our ops staff will help out too. And then Nico obviously will get involved, but um, we kind of do that recruiting, recruiting wise as a, as a, as a whole unit in some senses. Um, and then our player development, um, we, we each kind of have our own guys we work with a lot, um, but we all can, we all branch out and there's not really, we don't have this offensive defensive coordinators type stuff. Um, but I do a little bit more with the offense. Uh, we go, we use a whiteboard, uh, to call plays out. So I have to write up the, the plays on the board and hold it up. Uh, the JR, uh, Blount, our other assistant and, and Thor don't like the whiteboard cause I always bump them with it, but uh, it, we kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, and that's what's, that's what's cool about working with Nico is that he really wants to develop you as a coach as well. He doesn't want to just put you in this niche. Of, you're the recruiter. You're the, you're the guards guy only, or you're the bigs guy only. Like you, if you want to be a head coach someday, you better be able to do it all. Yeah. That's a really n- nice philosophy. I'm sure that you appreciate being in, in that position. So kudos to him for, you know, kind of letting you guys have that rain to do that. So we're getting to the end of the program here, Ali, and we're going to go in a little place we like to call the bear trap. And uh, ask a couple quick, fun questions here for you. So um, obviously with the pandemic here, Ali, the, the dress code is a little different for coaches um, this season. So are, are you preferring the, the casual you know, quarter zips uh, of the coaching attire nowadays, or are you missing the suits? Which do you prefer of the two styles? Early on, I thought I was going to miss the suits, but now I'm like, I, I don't ever want to wear a suit again. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a basketball coach. I'm not out here going, making business deals. Like I'm trying to coach basketball. I, like, I don't know when that started with suits, but it's why like, let's, I love the polos. I love the, I love the quarter zips. I can, I can move freely without getting uncomfortable. Um, I, I hope it's a trend that continues. <laughs> yeah. I think you're probably, uh, you know, the same thinking with a lot of coaches on that one. I would, I would bet. So, um, you've been at a couple, uh, campuses now, but I want to specifically talk about you and I in Colorado state here, um, Ali, and give us, you know, maybe some inside scoop for people that are going to visit those campuses. You know, everyone's got their favorite food spots and stuff like that, that you must hit when you go to certain, you know, campuses and stuff like that. Can you give us your favorite spot uh, at Colorado state and you and I, and, and why you like those spots, man, that, that's tough for Colorado state and Fort Collins. Cause uh, Fort Collins is amazing food. I mean, mm-hmm. we got, it's, it's, it's such a great, we don't have as many chain restaurants as a lot Ooh, of I other like places. That. 
which makes it, I mean, I haven't even eaten at all the places you can go to in Fort Collins because there's just so many small little different types of foods um, all over the place here. But if you do come out here, you got to go to New Belgium and go do the brewery tour. Um, That's a, that's a must. And then honestly, if you go down to old town, um, our main downtown area, just go down there and you'll find all sorts of different types of places to go eat. And it's a, it's a great experience. And that's the one thing about Fort Collins I love is the food, probably a little too much. Um, mm-hmm. But then if you go to Cedar Falls, you got to go to Peppers or Mulligans, especially on like the day of a game for Northern Iowa. You go to one of those places, go go eat there. Um, there's usually always a bunch of UNI fans at, at each one of those locations and then go to the game after that. Perfect. Perfect. I'll put that on the list then, both <laughs> of those spots. That's awesome. Um, so now a couple other different questions here, Ali. So you can only have one of these for the rest of your life. Okay. From now until, you know, the end, you can only have one books, music, or TV. Oh, books, music, or TV. That's that. That's tough. I, I, I don't need music. Um, man, that's tough between books and TV. I don't, I got, I got three kids. So I'm going to say TV. <laughs> yeah, probably a good choice. Probably a good choice. Keep it we, need, we need Netflix and Disney Plus. I need both. Yeah, Disney. I was going to say, I know, I feel your pain there. Okay, so another one in, this, in a similar vein here, Ali. You can only have one of these for the rest of your life. Pancakes, waffles, or French toast? Uh, waffles. Waffles. Okay, I like it. Um, and then the last question that we always end the show with, um, who are your five favorite basketball players of all time? Uh, so we were kind of talking about this earlier, but there's one, there's one that was uh, this guy named Jan Michael Thomas. It, no, nobody's going to probably know who that is, but he played at Washington State back in the day. Um, and he was this like six foot guard who just could shoot the lights out. Um, and so I grew up, I was little watching him, so I loved him. Uh, so he's all, that guy was probably one of my main guys that I, I loved watching growing up. Um, and then there was obviously then I got, so that's one, then Steve Nash, um, just cause he's a small guard, just like me. So obviously that one fits perfect. Uh, Gary Payton. So I grew up in Washington. So this one, the songs yep. were really good, um, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, or obviously I, I love both of them and Gary Payton talks so much trash. And like, <laughs> I loved that. Like, I'm not a huge trash talker, but if you get me talking, then I'll go at, then I'll go at you mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, and that's probably some influence from just watching Gary Payton with the Sonics all those years. Um, then obviously for me, it's Kobe and Jordan. Um, I, Kobe's just mentality and work ethic. That's an easy choice. And then Jordan's willingness to do whatever it took to win, whether that was being kind of a, a lack of a better word, not a good person, uh, <laughs> um, sometimes, but like the winner, like a true winner. Um, and then, then I'll get two more. Can I have two more? Sure. We can have a sixth <laughs> and seventh man. Why there- not? Larry Bird, just because like the, the level of toughness and level of confidence he had um, and the joy he played basketball with. I think kind of the same level as Magic Johnson. That's what made their era so special is both of them were just you could tell how much they love basketball. Magic Johnson because of the smile all the time. But Larry Bird with the the pizzazz like we were talking about with my behind the back pass, like all those types of things like he had fun playing basketball. And that, I think that's the way basketball should be played. It should be fun. It shouldn't be this. Like, oh, everyone has to throw a chest pass. Everyone has to throw a perfect – like, it, it's meant to be played and be creative with it. And that's what Larry Bird was so special with. That's why I always – I love guys that have that creativity in their game. Um, and then uh, and then the last one would probably be Damian Lillard. Um, and that one's different for me because um, I got to work with Phil Beckner uh, for a few years, and he's one of my – probably one of my best mentors – um, and I went out and worked out with him and Damian Lillard for five days. Um, and just to see the level of focus and how much he, the level of intensity with which he does his workouts, um, it, it's incredible. And there's a reason why he's one of the greatest in the games right now. Um, so those guys, th- those guys probably from a different aspect, each one of them, uh, that's why I love them as players um, and, and take something away from each one of them. That's great. Yeah, for sure. And that's what's fun about asking these guys, you know, whoever we interview uh, that question, because it 
the people they talk about, it means something different to everyone. And, you know, kind of the things that they took away from, you know, whether it be Jordan or bird and all that stuff. So that's really cool to hear you say that. So, but what has been fun, Ali, is this interview. So I really appreciate you taking the time and, and chatting with me again, you have one of the most iconic moments in NCAA tournament history. And that's just gotta be such a, a neat thing for, for you to, remember and look back on it with your time playing and hopefully you can build on those, you know, now at Colorado state and wherever your path leads you. So is, is the ultimate goal for you then Ali to be a, a head coach someday? Yeah, absolutely. Someday. Um, I'm liking where I am right now. Uh, I'm really enjoying uh, my time with, with J.R. Blount and, and Dave Thorson and, and Nico, obviously. Um, and I'm learning so much every single day, but yeah, down, down the road, that's, that's the ultimate goal. But um I'm, I'm enjoying where I'm at right now too. Cool. Well, good luck with uh, the birth of, of baby number four coming down the road here. And we'll be uh, looking for you guys to hopefully crack the NCAA tournament here coming up. And again, just thanks so much for spending the time and, and reminiscing with us. Yeah, no, thanks, Matt. Appreciate you for thinking of me and, and bringing me on. You bet.